Hi, welcome to the Bread Podcast, which stands for beauty, response, and expression in art and daily life. We're your hosts. I'm Andy. And I'm Ariel. In this podcast, we discuss how as Christians and artists, we express and respond to God's creative nature. All right, so on today's episode, we have Brian Chung. He is of no relation to Andy Chung. Amazing. (laughs) He is the co-founder and business director of Alabaster Company. He has worked in nonprofit doing things such as speaking and leadership development. So today he is going to share a little bit about his journey with us. Welcome, Brian. Thanks for having me. Thanks for clarifying that. Me and Andy aren't related. (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) We do both have really cool last names. We do. (laughs) All right, um, Brian, just to start off, can you let us and the listeners know how Alabaster started? Yes. So um, in 2014, uh, I read this book called Real Life by an author named James Chong. He is a pastor here in Southern California. And in the book, he talks about how every generation asks a spiritual question. So for boomers, that's like 1940s to 1960s-ish. Their spiritual question was, what is true? And so you see sort of the, the rise of the apologetics movement and people wanting to prove that God is true. Um, Then you have Gen Xers, and they're from the 1960s to 1980s-ish, and uh, their spiritual question was, what is real? And so Gen Xers, they didn't want to have a debate or argument with with people. They actually just wanted people to be real and authentic with them. Uh, Millennials, so that's that's me. I'm a millennial. Me too. Me too. (laughs) Um, That's 1980s to uh, early 2000s. Their spiritual question is, what is good? And so millennials uh, were all about wanting to bring uh, good things in the world. Um, You see sort of the rise of some of these justice movements in the world um, because millennials, we want to do good things and bring good things into the world. And uh, then he predicts the next spiritual question of Gen Z um, being, what is beautiful? Mm. And we felt like that was already starting to be true. Um, we are in a highly visual generation, constantly consuming media and content through our phones, through television, through the internet. Um, this was back in 2014. So just remember like six years ago, right? We were judging companies by how their website looked or how their Instagram looked, right? Even more so now today, right? Um, and so for me, um, the question that I kept asking was how can I show the world that God is both good and beautiful. Um, And so a little bit about my background. I didn't grow up Christian. I grew up in a Buddhist household. And I remember my first time getting a Bible as a Christian. I was really excited, but also a little intimidated. I don't know if people resonate with that at all. Um, But I flipped through the first couple pages and it wasn't the story of Genesis. It was things to fill out. It was about the translation. Um, I finally got to the story of Genesis and the text was really condensed. It was a little hard to read. Flip on to the New Testament. Some words were in red. Other words were in black. I didn't know what that meant at that time. (laughs) Um, And on top of that, I was on really thin paper. And, you know, just as someone that didn't grow up uh, Christian, this book was just unlike any other book that I had experienced. And so sitting next to me was my marketing textbook. And for the first time in college, I felt 
excited to read my college textbook because my marketing textbook was designed like a magazine. And I just thought to myself, like, oh, what if the Bible uh, was designed differently? Didn't do anything about it at the time. A couple years uh, later, I, you know, I, after graduating college, I did some startup stuff, but I eventually went into full-time campus ministry. Um, did that for about six years. And towards the tail end, I'm having this conversation with my friend, soon-to-be co-founder. His name is also Brian Chung, B-R-Y-A-N. Mm-hmm. I spell my name B-R-I-A-N. Um, he is also of no relation to Andy Chung. Exactly. And I am <laughs> of no relation to this other Brian as well. <laughs> Um, but we're having this conversation about art and faith. You know, both of us are creative people. Um, Brian was into animation, photography, and painting. I was into graphic design. And we kept pondering about this question about how can we show the world that God is good and beautiful? Um, what do we do that? What do we do with this next generation asking that spiritual question? And he was just thinking about some ideas of what to do. He wanted to launch a magazine and, I shared my experience with the Bible and I was like, why don't we design the Bible in this new sort of beautiful way? And his eyes lit up. He got super excited. He ran up to his apartment mates and showed the idea. His apartment mates were like, yes, that's awesome. And, you know, I would go back to campus ministry. But in the meantime, while he was working on class stuff, because um, he was still, he was a senior at the time, he just kept, kept dreaming about this new design of the Bible. And so uh, he was like, let's do this. We launched a Kickstarter in 2016. Uh, Looking back, we pretty much did everything wrong. We thought it was a good idea not to tell many people about it. Um, uh, We went to a local print shop. We printed 12 pages of what we think it would look like. Everything else was blank. We just make some mock covers up. So if you see our Kickstarter, like it's it's blank inside, um, except 12 pages. Put it out there. And uh, immediately a friend started sharing it, um, eventually got some press uh, news, and this little project uh, turned into something a little bigger than that. And so what makes Alabaster different is uh, we weave beautiful imagery and thoughtful design into each uh, individual book of the Bible. We're thoughtful about negative space, we're thoughtful about the typography, we're thoughtful about the photography alongside the text and helping people deepen their experience with God. And so for us as Christians, we know that the story of God was beautiful and we wanted to create a beautiful reading experience. So that's a little bit about Alabaster. I can go more, but I feel like I've been talking forever. So. Wow. No, that was that was a really great explanation. That was great. I feel like I know so much more now. So I have a question for you, but before I ask it, I just want to point out that the points that you made were kind of crazy because someone who I grew up in the church and like I grew up a Christian, so the Bible has always been very like familiar to me. And so to think about someone who grew up not being a Christian, being Buddhist, and you open this Bible and like the thin paper and the the red text, like that's just so interesting to think about like that there really are people who are encountering that for the first time and it's so different and they don't know what to do with it, you know? So that's really, that was a crazy thought. (laughs) Yes, that was me. (laughs) (laughs) So I want to know why the name Alabaster? Yes. Um, we, we were fans of the Bible first and foremost, and uh, we were thinking about, are there any times that Jesus mentions the word beautiful or beauty um, in regards to that question that uh, Gen Z will be asking, which is what is beautiful? And there is this passage um, in Mark, and it's 
titled The Woman with the Alabaster Flask. And it's this woman who has this expensive alabaster flask and uh, breaks it in front of Jesus. And um, everyone sort of scoffs at her. And Jesus says, uh, stop it. This woman has done a beautiful thing. And I think for us, that has been an inspiration for not just for our name, but our company of what does it look like to lead in this sacrificial way. Um, we think that woman was the first like recorded, I don't know, uh, like interpretive art piece <laughs> where it's like, oh, there's this, <laughs> there's this thing that's, uh, this flask was supposed to be used as a, a dowry is now used as a, a worship um, for God. And so, yeah, that's sort of the inspiration for the name, that one with the alabaster flask. Yeah, um, I, I read something recently on the LA Times write-up of you and Brian, uh, Brian with the Y, you guys mm -hmm. um, <laughs> said this one quote, and I thought it was really thought-provoking, and it was so freshly said. And the quote is, wheel, so wheel as in alabaster, do anything short of sin to reach, reach people who don't know Christ. And I thought that was so like well said, because I think of like just back then, there was so much more, I feel, art yeah. or more revolutionary art, like stained glass windows, Renaissance paintings about Jesus mm -hmm. and all these things. But I feel like these days, I feel like there is like a, a lack of maybe Christian art being made. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I was wondering why you think that is like, and I'm not saying that everyone needs to like do the same things they did before, but even like doing something different as Christians. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, I would say that that has also been sort of an inspiration point for us. The, uh, you know, the stained glass windows, the Renaissance paintings, ancient cathedrals, um, these beautiful pieces of art that pointed people to God. Um, and yeah, we felt that, you know, we agree with you that somewhere along the way that's been sort of lost in sort of a modern day context. I think it's been, it's been coming back a little bit more from my understanding. And I studied art history is because, um, Christians were afraid of idolatry of art or representation of God through art. And so there, there's more to it that I wish I studied harder and remembered harder my art history, but I remember that that was part of it. But I think for me, you know, I, uh, so, you know, I became a Christian in college and, I was in graphic design and, you know, in, in churches, we were like, oh, I, we're, we're taught to serve in church. And as a designer, I was like, oh, like, how can I serve? Like, what can I do? How can I use my, my graphic design to help serve the church, serve this community? And um, I often was just told to make the PowerPoint slides look nice <laughs> or the, uh, the flyer to look nice. <laughs> and I just felt like, you know, I think I could do more than that. <laughs> mm, mm. Um, and okay, this was back in, uh, gosh, I became a Christian in uh, 2008, 2007, around there. And I had remembered um, looking for Christian clothing at the time. And this will date me, but uh, MySpace was still kind of a thing, <laughs> a little like starting to sizzle out, right? And I remember there's this t-shirt that I found that said, like, God saved my space in heaven. And I was like, this is so cheesy. Ooh, that's like, <laughs> funny. <laughs> cheesy. <laughs> and I was like, I don't, I wouldn't wear that, you know? Like, I, I don't know if I would wear a shirt like that on, on, at, in college. And I get it's funny, but um, I think for me as, like, a designer, I was like, oh, I, like, I wonder, could we have, like, better 
Christian clothing, you know? Mm. And that being said, I think things, like I said earlier, things have shifted and changed. And I think there are are really cool Christian clothing companies out there these days. Um, But I think for us, what was really important with Alabaster um, was that uh, there was this value of excellence in what we were creating in that regardless of whether or not you were religious or or Christian, that you would see our products as just good products in general. Um, and so, yeah, that was just really important for us when we were making our books. Yeah. For sure. So for those who are listening, before we started recording, we were talking to Brian and we were kind of explaining a little bit of about V3 and the vision of V3. So we are talking about excellence and beauty. And so I personally have encountered Christians who feel like that stuff is not important. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I've, I've been involved in various types of production at my church. And mm-hmm. through that, I have encountered people who have not cared to add beauty or aesthetic to certain things because their response is like, oh, it's about the heart and like we we shouldn't look like the world, you know, so yeah, we shouldn't yeah. like design things like the world designs things. And so my question to you is, first of all, have you had any kind of backlash with the way you've designed, you know, these books? Yeah, yeah. And also what, like, not to defend it, but like, why do you feel that that is important? Mm-hmm. That's a good question. Well, to what you were saying earlier about excellence in art. I think why I deeply value excellence first is I think I see that as a form of worship to God. I'm going to sort of put all of my effort into creating something that is excellent into the world. I think another thing is that, uh, you know, I, I helped to lead sort of gatherings on campus for people who were curious about faith and spirituality. And you know, at those gatherings, we had music, we had dance, um, we had a you know speaker. Like it's, it's a church service, but um, what was really important for us in these gatherings was people who aren't religious to come in and actually experience God. And um, the question that always came in mind is like, oh, does the music have to be good? You know, does the <laughs> singers have to be good? And um, for me, I was like, yes, they need to be, um, because like if you think about people who aren't religious entering into these gatherings or any gathering that has music, like, like what are the comparables? They're, they're, they're really good quality. Mm. Like it's either a symphony or it's a concert and these artists are excellent in their craft. And so when you enter a worship service or a service that has Christian music, if you aren't really, sometimes that can be a little distracting. Like, oh, that person is off too. No. <laughs> you <know? laughs> oh, yes. Uh, and so I think for me, it's just been like, how can I remove these different barriers? And sometimes those barriers are, you know, someone who isn't well rehearsed or, um, I don't know, just not, not practiced enough. Uh, so that people can really appreciate the art and that art can really ultimately point people to God. And so that's why, you know, I see excellence is really, really important in our company and how we do things. Um, when people think Christian company, unfortunately, there's also this reality that Christian businesses are are, are poorly run businesses. Um, and so I would talk to with some of my friends who are in the business world and they're like, yeah, if I ever hear someone is a Christian business, I kind of stay away because I've been hurt before because they're sort of loose on some of the deadlines or they don't pay me on time or, you know, it's about the heart and not necessarily like 
doing the right things, if that makes sense, for better, for worse, mostly worse. And so I think it's been important for us to like, no, we're going to, you know, we're going to pay people on time. We're going to respect people's wage, you know, what they, what they charge. How can we also run excellently, an excellent business? But in regards to your question, gosh, remind me your question again. (laughs) It's basically, I mean, you did answer a lot of it, but basically, how would you respond to people who say those things? Yes, yes. Um, Well, yes. So we have gotten feedback, people who do not like what what we do. And I think that's totally fine. That's totally fine. I think for us, what is important is... Uh, we are still loving those people who disagree Mm. and we are sticking to what we believe God has given us as a vision and a mission for the company, which is to show all of humanity that God is, is good and beautiful. And so we're kind of just sticking to that because that's where we feel like God's been leading us. And, uh, I mean, you know, that being said, if, if it is feedback that is helpful, yeah, we bring it to the team and we talk about it. Uh, we're not a company that thinks we have it all together or we're a perfect company. We're a company that continually improves and tries to improve. I think that's something that's important for for any, like, not just creative, but yeah. just any person that's doing something that God's put on their heart is to remember that thing that God has told them to do because you will come across those naysayers yeah. and mm-hmm. the backlash, you know. So. How do you all respond when folks <laughs> don't you know like what? dance or like say, I don't know. You know, that's very funny because we actually do get some people who do that. Yeah. But I think something that God has even had to deal with my heart about is like, because I love V3 so much and I'm so, I get defensive over things and people that I love. So even when I have experienced people criticizing v3 or not agreeing with certain things that v3 does god has to check me and maybe that person is doing it out of a good heart like i may not see it but they may be doing it out of like just as much as i'm doing what i feel god's convicting me to do maybe that's what god's convicting them and so like i have to remind myself that you know just that's exactly what love does is it it believes the best so I think that's something God's had to remind me is to like to believe the best in someone and to that's not good. just like look at the negative. Yeah. But it's also pretty funny what you said about like if things are like if the worship band is off pitch because <laughs> you're saying of someone who's not religious. Boy, I've been <laughs> I've been walking with God my whole life, and if I'm in a worship and they are out of tune, it still distracts me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'll never forget one time at worship, the singer came in on a totally different key, oh, no. and I was just like, "I'm sorry, God. I, can we just take a minute?" Yeah, like I'm, I'm trying, so, I'm trying. I'm like, I can't. Yeah. I don't know if you guys uh, follow worship fails on Instagram. I don't know. I don't. I don't have I've Instagram. seen. I've seen. I've seen some of these things. Pop it's up it's all in good yeah. fun, but like some yeah. of it is like so funny. I've seen oh, one of those. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> why, I would I would also love to hear why like why is excellence important for you all as a dance company? Mm. Look at him throwing these back at us. I, know. I like yeah, you. You're you're fun. <laughs> well, I also I don't like like you said. I don't think I have all the answers, but I would. I'm also just curious too to like, um, you know, because I get that a lot. People people are you know why is this important? Why is excellence important? Like, is it is it superficial or is it actually like? important as we as we do these things so Mm. curious what you all say yeah again i want to preface this by saying 
I don't have everything figured out, but I think for me as a person that's visually inclined and really does like to see things, yeah, see things done in a visual way and also not even visual, just even like I, I talk to my uh, V3 um, members a lot and they say that they know that I care a lot about like smell like I have a very keen sense of smell. So when I just walk, we into care about smell too. Yes. <laughs> like, when keep going, I, keep going. Yeah. Maybe it's a chunk <laughs> thing. I don't know. But just to basically say, I feel like as believers of God, it's great to use all the senses that we've been given yeah. to um, create a space that, like you said, allows maybe the non-believer to feel mm-hmm. more, I guess, open and receptive mm-hmm. And I remember the first time that I went to the church I'm going to right now, which is, um, mm-hmm. I go to this church in Anaheim, but before mm-hmm. that, um, I grew up in a Presbyterian background. So um, my dad's actually a pastor. So cool. a lot of things are rooted in tradition, which is great. Mm-hmm. And I think I needed that solid kind of foundation of like how the church usually has done things. But I think once I uh, went to this church, I realized like, the pastor was so hip. Like even his LinkedIn, it's kind of a joke. It's tongue in cheek. I'm 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 kind of closer to my um, founding pastor now than I was before. But when I checked his LinkedIn out, when yeah. I first checked out the church, he put cultural architect on his LinkedIn, <laughs> and wow. I was like, "It does he like does he really like mean that?" But he ta- told me that he was just joking. But really, like when I <laughs> when I went to that church, like it literally smelled like different like they they put like some kind of freshener there (laughs) like they like their worship band like is you know great and even the just the sermons the way about it um the graphics they even have a creative director Mm -hmm. and i just felt like just like you said like if we can eliminate those barriers and going back to the la um la times article like if we can use all these things that are not sin and that that are not profane to god Mm -hmm. then why aren't we doing that more Mm-hmm. And I think um, a lot of it, a lot of it for me, the reason why I think I get scared to sometimes do or make certain art is because mm-hmm. I feel like, oh yeah, just like Ariel and you talked about, how will the backlash, will there be backlash? Mm-hmm. Or will the Christian community feel like this is profane in mm-hmm. some sense? And I, it makes me kind of think, what if this fear or this insecurity about like, oh shoot, I don't want to step on people's toes stops the Christian creative community from doing these things, from uh, pursuing mm-hmm. beauty in these intentional ways. So I feel like that's why I think excellence and art and beauty and the visual medium and it just, it really matters. Yeah. You know, I really think it does. Yeah. Can I add to that? Yeah. Yeah. Go for it. And I want to preface this with, I also did not know <laughs> everything, obviously, but this is just kind of like how I feel about it is I, I think there's a multiple reasons of, of why it's important. I think there's practical. I think there's spiritual mm-hmm. reasons. Practical, I would say like, and I'm guilty of this, sometimes over-spiritualizing things is like, you know, those people like when you're like, oh, I'm so tired. What is this root issue? Like there must be something really spiritual going on. And it's like, well, did you get enough sleep last night? Yes. Or like, why am I so cranky? There must be something in the spirit. And it's like, well, have you eaten breakfast? <laughs> did you eat? Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. like, so sometimes there is practical things, just like you were saying, like 
I, I think it is important to have excellence, first of all, because especially if you're trying to appeal to, you know, a body of people, mm-hmm. there's going to be someone in there that is probably looking for those mess ups or they get distracted. So I think there's very practical reasons as well as spiritual. I believe if God put us in a garden, gardens are mm-hmm. beautiful. They are. Yeah. And when the Bible describes heaven, you know, like the streets are paved with gold, that gold, sounds yeah. beautiful to me. So to me, that's enough for me to feel like God is definitely, you know, he is for beautiful. He is beautiful. Mm-hmm. He himself is beautiful. So yeah, for me, that's kind of like how I feel as well as I guess I want to use that. I've, maybe I've been told this all my life. It's all about the heart, which mm-hmm. I agree is is about the heart. But how I was raised, I feel like is if if it's all about the heart, your desire to do the best you could possibly do and make it the best that it can possibly be for God, that matters, mm-hmm. right? Like I don't want to mm-hmm. give God something that's like that's not done correctly and it's not done beautifully. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, something that we think about is um, there are three values that uh, theologians have talked about that um, the church can tend to promote or value. One of them is truth. The other is goodness. And the last thing that people tend to not talk about is beauty. Mm. And the beauty for us often shows us the why to what we do. And oh. at first it was like, I was like, what? Like, help me to understand that a little bit more. Like, how does beauty show us the why? And what beauty does, it, it can point us a picture of what is yet to come. And so, for example, in Revelation 21 and 22, I hope those are the, the right, the, the the ones with the golden. That's 21 and 22. Am I correct? Do you all know on the top of your head? I'm pretty sure Watch it's chapter 21. Watch that verse be about like hell or something. I'm just kidding. <laughs> There's a lot of cool, but also like, yeah, scary imagery in Revelation. I'm so pretty sure it's, it's, it's the one that talks about the 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 streets paved with gold, the gates with all these different types of stones, 12 different stones. I'm pretty sure it's 21. That's what I was reading today. Yes, it's Revelation 21. You got it. You got it. You know your scripture. (laughs) Yes. Yes, I I really don't like misquoting scripture, so I try my best. Yes, so in chapter 21, it paints this picture of what things can look like. And I think for for me as a Christian, I'm like, oh, like, what does it take for us to, to get to that place? Um, some other things I think about are what does a more beautiful and good world look like? Um, if, mm, wow. you know, when Jesus says the kingdom of God is at hand, what does it look like for God's kingdom to actually be here? And I think it's actually beauty and creativity that helps us see that a little bit more. Um, and how we get there is uh, what I like to call it. How we get there is sometimes justice. How we get there is partnering with God in his mission to accomplish those things. So I think, again, beauty points to the why. Like, why, why is this important? Because I have this picture of what, God's kingdom actually looks like and I can move in that direction. Wow. Yeah. That was so insightful. Yeah. Thank you for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I wanted to kind of take a detour, but you studied graphic design in college, but also you studied or you majored in business. I did. So I think one thing that I severely lack in as someone who like, loves art and wants to make art is the the idea of marketing yourself or marketing your product Mm -hmm. because sometimes I feel like how do you go about it in a way where it's like you don't feel like you're like it's so soul sucking or it's like you're like giving so much into it so I guess um 
a question I want to ask you is, mm-hmm. what would be your advice for creatives who want to market themselves better but don't know where to start? Yes, that's a good question. I love talking about business. I often get invited to talk about faith and beauty a lot, which is fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) I also love talking about business, so I'm glad that we're pivoting in this direction a little bit. That's exactly where I wanted to go, too. Um, So in 2018, uh, we were approached by an investor. Um, He is studying at Fuller right now. And initially, our meetups was just because he wanted to mentor us. He was like, hey, you're, you're, you're running a real cool company. I believe in your vision and your mission. Um, do you have anyone discipling you right now or mentoring you? I want to be that person. And I was like, yes, yes, please be that person. <laughs> uh, because I admire what you're doing as well and want to learn from you. Towards the end of the year, he said, I want to invest in you all. And so he, we partnered with him, and now he is an investor and a partner in the business. Um, and he doesn't just mentor us uh, in terms of business stuff, but helps us think about the theology about business, how he runs his company, how he integrates his faith into his business. And one of the things that has stuck with me is he just reminds us to love God and love our neighbor as ourselves, mm-hmm. and applying that in all aspects of business and work. And so I already mentioned the love God pieces like, hey, like I wanna do things with excellence, I wanna run my business with excellence. That is gonna be my place where I, I, I worship God through my work. But the other part is how do I love my neighbor? How do I love my employees really well? How do I love my customers really well? Um, mm. And that is the focus. Love God, love your neighbor. Mm. Nowhere wow. in that did he say profit or revenue is the focus. Wow. And I was a little shocked by that because I know that, you know, in a business, you have to think about revenue. You have to think about profit. Like if you aren't selling, if you aren't making money, then you, you, you can't exist unless you become a nonprofit and accept donations, right? And so I posed that question to him and he said, profit is the result. If you're producing good products, you're running an excellent business. If you're loving people well, you're loving your customers well, you will have profit. You will make money. Mm. And so he says, that's never, that's never the goal. Revenue and profit never is the goal. It's the result of actually doing good work. Um, and so I think that would just be my advice for creators who have a hard time marketing themselves. If you actually believe in what you're doing, um, if it's a good and beautiful thing, then why not? Why not share that with people? Mm. When I have a really great, I don't know, what was my most recent purchase? Well, I love my blender. I have a Vitamix blender and I, th- I think it was life-changing. And so I recommend people to buy the Vitamix blender, right? Because it's been life-changing to me. And so if you're creative and you're doing good things and that it can be life-changing to other people, why not share it with other folks? It's just like the gospel, right? Mm. So that's what I would say. Wow, that's so good. I think like a thought that came to mind is I love to recommend things to people just like you. Like if there's like something that I come across, where it's like, oh, I came across this photo zine and my film photo friends, I want to show this to them. They're going to love it. Or if it's like a movie that just came out, I love just like sharing it with my friends and watching it together. But I realize sometimes when it's like myself or things that I make, there is like this fear, like this deep mm. fear of like, I'm excited for it, but I'm scared to like show this off because that movie that I showed my friend is from that director yeah. who has it all figured out. But then I realized eh, no one really has it fully figured out, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And 
And I think it goes back, I mean, I listened to your all podcast. I think it was Eddie who talked about, I think a lot of times we're afraid to put ourselves out there mm. because we're afraid about what people are going to think about us. Mm-hmm. Was that him? Do you all remember? Yes, I'm that, sure that, that sounds him. like Eddie. <laughs> <laughs> Eddie, if you're listening, listen to that podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but I think that's true. I think, I mean, like, you know, me talking from like the, like the ministry standpoint, I think that even comes back to like evangelism where it's like a lot of times I think we're afraid to share our faith because we're afraid of what they're going to think about me or if I'm going to say the wrong thing. And so I think when it comes to marketing yourself or marketing a business, yeah, I mean, you know, the comment section is rough sometimes (laughs) or like if people don't like your product, I think sometimes we take that personally. I think as artists and creatives, I think we take it even more personally because, it's kind of a reflection of who we are in yeah. a sense. Like mm-hmm. if I, you know, you are a dance crew, if I dance and I've spent a lot of time thinking about it and I'm, it's not just like my artwork, it's actually me up there on stage. Yeah. Like that feedback can actually, you can take that a lot harder than say, I don't know, like a book on a table, right? Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, but at the end of the day, it's like, are we, are we willing to put ourselves out there, our creative, our art out there, despite what people think? And I think once we can do that, I think really cool things can happen. Yeah, that's so true. That's exactly how I feel with anything like creating. Yeah. It's nerve wracking because it's like, if people don't accept this, it's like they're not accepting me. Me, yeah. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So back to business. Yes. So you kind of dabbled into business and like being a Christian and a mm-hmm. godly man doing business. I feel like I'm more of a head in the clouds dreamer kind of person. I'm. I feel like I. I'm not the type of person who would be good at business. <laughs> That's just. I don't think that'd be my strong suit. And I feel like sometimes there are obviously those people who are really good at navigating both, like Eddie. Eddie Moon is really good at navigating both. But mm-hmm. I want to know for you, is there one that came a bit more natural and then what? Well, it's this is actually Andy's question, sorry. <laughs> but is, is there one that came a bit more natural to you and then one that you kind of had to like work on? Sorry, I still let Andy. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I'm like feeling so guilty, but I really want to know. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's a great question. You know what? I'll share a little bit about my history. <laughs> I um, I remember I had to fill this form out when I was young, and I said, "What do you want to be when you grow up?" And it, I wrote down artist. And somewhere along the way, it's you know Asian stereotype. My parents are like, "No, you cannot be an artist. Like maybe like a minor, but not never never a major." Mm. Uh, and so I thought about, you know, I thought about going pre-med, I thought about engineering, but then ultimately I was like, I want to do business. And I, uh, you know, I never, I, I, I kind of wonder if, you know, my parents didn't give me a direction when I was young, if I would just be an artist myself, Mm -hmm. but I love business. And I think currently right now, that is my, my strong suit where I thrive the most. Um, it's a, I don't know why I think I just love solving problems. Um, I like, working with people. I like, um, maybe it's because I'm like a very goal oriented person. I like setting goals and achieving goals. That being said, I still have my artsy side and I still have opinions about things. I wish I were stronger at it. I wish I could articulate about it. Usually when it comes to things that we're talking about as a company, I'm always the odd person out. Like the other day we were talking about cover design for our newest book and I am always the one (laughs) that has the oddball like opinion like everyone's like i like cover a 
And I'm like, I like cover B. Oh my gosh, I relate to that so <laughs> yeah, hard. And, um, I'm just like, of course, like every single time, I'm like, of course, I guess we're going with cover A then. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I, you know, I wish I was stronger at it. I mean, I do think I, I still am pretty good at it, but I think working in a creative company, there are people who are better at it. Mm. And so I think something that I've learned is to trust your team. Um, and so maybe I, I would just speak to the, your other question about thinking about business and creativity or managing both. Um, I think it's been better for the company that uh, we have hired people who are uh, stronger in places that we are weekend. And so I could, you know, I could technically do layout design if I really wanted to, like I have the skill set for it, but there are people who are stronger. And so I'm surrounding myself with people who are stronger um, as we build our team. Wow. Yeah, it reminds me of like the different parts that God describes, like within yes, in like, the, body. the body. It really does. Mm-hmm. It's like you're finding those different parts to add onto this company. And it's just like helping so much, you know? But all right, Brian, I have one more business question for you. Okay. Yeah. As a successful entrepreneur, and you've helped launch four other successful Kickstarter campaigns. Um, what's something that people overlook about starting a company? That's the first part. And what's something that people shouldn't worry too much about when creating a company? I think people overlook the importance of sales. Um, and so I know that, you know, we had just talked about like marketing and selling. Um, but the reality is if you can't sell, if people aren't buying your product, you ultimately don't have a business. Um, and so people will tend to worry about a lot of things. They'll worry about what their website looks like. They'll worry about their domain. They'll worry about their Instagram posts. They'll worry about, I don't know, X, Y, and Z. Um, but at the end of the day, um, will people buy it? Are you solving a customer's need? And if you aren't, or if you're not talking to your customer, then something's wrong. Um, and so I think people overlook that, uh, Gosh, I can go on and on about that, but there's some, there are two other things that I would think about. Um, second is your finances. And so knowing how to read a financial statement is incredibly important. Um, what does a profit and loss statement look like? Your statement of cash flows, um, your balance sheet. I say I we made a lot of mistakes because we didn't know how to read those things properly. Um, and so I would just learn just the basics of like what the difference is. How do you use them in terms of operating your business and making decisions for your business? Mm. And the third thing that I would say is uh, people overlook just doing it. Just doing it, making mistakes, but just going for it. I think sometimes we're so nervous about putting the perfect product out there, the perfect service, making sure everything is perfect. Um, Companies will never be perfect, but we can constantly improve. And so I think just go out and try. Uh, yes, I have had four successful Kickstarters, but I've also had a numerous amount of failure businesses that people don't ask me about. <laughs> <laughs> um, I made a lot of mistakes. I made a lot of failures. We released products that you know didn't perform as as well as that we were hoping for, and that's okay because you learn from that. And so those would be my three things: sales, finances, and just go out and do it. Oh my gosh, like no joke. I'm just writing these down. Like I'm (laughs) writing these down like so good. I'm literally telling myself I have to go back and listen to this podcast and take notes. (laughs) Yeah. See, I love talking about the business stuff. I'm glad we're talking about it. (laughs) Okay, so you kind of mentioned like, you know, producing things and like finding how it could be better. Mm -hmm. So 
when creating these things that you're making, when do you sit back and feel like, okay, I'm done. It's finished. It's, it's complete. Yeah, I would say that that's been something that has been hard for me. So I am a workaholic and a discipline that I've had to practice and have been practicing for many years, but still is very, very hard for me is the discipline of the Sabbath. And so it's a day where I don't work. Gosh, I put that one minute timer on my Gmail. I put that one minute timer on my Slack, like on the weekends, like I I try my best not to look at those things because with a business and, you know, even with ministry, there's always more to be done. And it is a discipline to rest is a discipline to trust God and say like, Hey, like I cannot work this day and you will still move. Um, if God had to rest, if the creator of the universe Amen. had to rest, like we as human beings can rest. And so that's been something that I've been constantly learning as just a workaholic myself. I think also what's been helpful for me in terms of giving my space to rest is being grateful. And so it is easy for me to see the things that I have not done well or to compare myself to other businesses or to compare myself to other peers and see all their numbers or like, you know, everything's on social media. It's uh, stressful sometimes. And I forget the things that I've been given, the things that God has given me and to be thankful for that. And so one of the things that I do also in the mornings is I write down a list of things that I'm grateful for. Small little things like today, I'm grateful that I can breathe and the air is not smoky (laughs) too. (laughs) Um, to large things like, oh, thank you for uh, thank you for that press article that was written about us. Mm-hmm. Um, and so having that has been helpful for me to stop. Last thing that I'll say, gosh, I have so many thoughts about this. It's, it's because I feel like this is something that God's been teaching me recently is um, remembering that there is life and relationships outside of work. And so uh, 2019 was a really full season for me. It was the the year that I went full-time with Alabaster, like everyone went full-time. It was a year of really great growth for Alabaster. It was the year that people found, like that people knew who I was, (laughs) like (laughs) because I've been on the news or like social media ads, you know, all that stuff where like, oh, like people like knew about Alabaster more, right? Um, It was a season where I had uh, more money coming into my bank account than ever before, Uh, right? I worked six, seven years in ministry, so very little money there <laughs> and for sure uh many hours put into work and i think in 2020 i think what god's been teaching me is just the fragility of life and that at the end of the day what do i want to be remembered for when i leave this place and there are people still here on earth what do i want them to say about me mm. and i remember i was at a church gathering that was the question that was posed like say you die, which we all will. Um, what do you want people to say? And, uh, you know, these are people from all walks of life, from really, you know, all walks of life going to this church. And one by one, all of them said, uh, I want my spouse, I want my kid, I want my friend to say that I love them well. And I think that really hit home for me as someone that was just really thinking about my business is. I think I lost sight of just the relationships outside of my work and my friendships outside of my work. You know, I was loving my employees well, I was loving my customers well, you know, which is really, really great. Uh, but then the day that like, there are also people in my life that I want to love well, that I want to share life with them. And so, 
you know, I made a list of, of people in my life that I want to continue to live life with, that I continue to want to have deep relationship with. And I made a discipline like to have scheduled times after work to, to have a good conversation with them. And so the, those three things have been really helpful for me to have uh, time where I am not working and time where I'm just being and uh, living life outside of work. Dang. Thank you for that. Yeah. Yes. I think our time is kind of dwindling down. So there's a couple of fun questions I want to ask. Cool. Is number one, favorite book of the Bible that Alabaster has designed so far? That has designed so yeah. far. Oh, that's a great <laughs> question. I would say Ecclesiastes. Ooh. Yeah, um, we released it this year, not knowing that COVID was going to happen, but it felt like a very timely book. Also, it's just a really poetic book. And so it's just been fun and it's a shorter book. And so what a shorter book allows us to do is have a little bit more uh, space for just cool layouts as well as photography in those books. For example, like Book of the Psalms is it's a long, it's a long book. And, you know, there's, gosh, I think it's 119. That's super, super long. And mm. uh, just imagine trying to do a lay layout for like a really wow. long chapter. Um, and so Ecclesiastes, the short just give us a little space to uh, design and do some things. I am really looking forward to the books that we're about to release. Um, there are two. And that is the book of Job and the book of Song of Song. Wow. And just, you know, imagine how fun it is to do those two books. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. They're so different. <laughs> Get the book. It's exciting to read, y'all. Yes. Things are in the Bible that, you know, sometimes I forget that they're in the Bible. Things about suffering, <laughs> like in the book of Job, yeah. and things about intimacy and sexuality, like you get in Song of Song. That's all I'll say. Okay, cool. And so can I ask one last closing question? Yeah, of course. Is there any future projects that you're working on or you're looking forward to? Yeah, so outside of uh, Job and Song of Song, um, we're releasing a couple different things. And so um, one is a revamp of our Alabaster notebook. And so it's this beautiful gray paper notebook um, with Japanese paper Um made with German machinery. It's really elegant, super, super cool. And uh, finally releasing it in three different colors. So initially we had dark gray and now we have it in this little like whitish gray and this tan color, super cool. Um, we're releasing a beautiful brass bookmark, um, just a little compliment to the side for folks who don't wanna put a little crease in one of our Bibles because we know that some people don't like to put the little crease. I can't and we have stand those creases. We have a beautiful brass bookmark coming out. Um, and uh, we are going to be launching soon a hardcover edition of our Gospels. And so that's been long requested. We just haven't done it in a while. Um, we are excited about this Christmas season. Um, we have built different collections for folks. So we have, you know, the Gospel collection. But why we're releasing Job and Song of Song is also because we're building out the Wisdom collection, which includes Psalms, Proverbs, also Ecclesiastes. Wow, I'm mm -hmm. so excited. Yeah, they're really beautiful. I love them. <laughs> I'm going to have to buy a couple just to put in my... I mean, obviously, I'm going to read them, too. <laughs> yes, please read but them, like, too. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, uh, I like 
I like to decorate my room, yes. so I have a bookshelf that I'm going to have to, like, aesthetically, like, set it up in my bookshelf to give my room more yes. of a vibe. And I would say that's important, too. It's like you're incorporating your faith even in the design of your room and the oh, things that you purchase and the things that you buy. So <laughs> one cool thing that I'll mention is it's been really cool seeing how people use our products. So obviously, there's the reading aspect of it. Um, but people have been using it as coffee table books. And I wouldn't say that was like our first intention of it. Our first intention of it was to really see what what it would happen in your experience of God integrating photography and the scripture together. Um, but as people have been using it as coffee table books, they've been using it as conversation starters. Um, and so, you know, the coffee table is a place of gathering, it's a place of conversation. And so we're seeing people move it from like their, their nightstand into place that people gather and so mm. that's also been really cool wow. to see wow yeah i'm gonna use it as a coaster i'm just kidding <laughs> i'm just kidding, <laughs> I'm, just kidding. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just kidding i'm gonna read it's it okay. obviously I'm, really, I'm, I'm looking forward to it especially the gospels of course yeah cool thank you so much brian for joining us thanks for having me this was super fun yeah. i also loved learning from you all and uh going back and forth i love podcasts where i it's an actual conversation versus an interview. So this was super fun. Thank Thanks for having you. me. No, thank you. Just lastly, for those who are listening, where can people follow you? Um, you can follow Alabaster on Instagram at alabaster underscore co. I don't know if it folks are on TikTok here, but a similar handle Ooh. almost everywhere on all Ooh, different platforms. TikTok. Yeah, TikTok. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Brian Chung, B-R-I-A-N-C-H-U-N-G. I'm also on TikTok too. I don't know who else is on TikTok, but um, my handle was taken on. So I have Brian underscore underscore Chung oh, on yeah. TikTok. Lots of Chungs out there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us today, Brian, and for everything you shared with us. And for those of you listening in, please be sure to rate and review this podcast on iTunes and share this podcast on social media. It really means a lot to us and we greatly appreciate it. And just thank you guys for tuning in and we'll catch you next time.